0: The Bible is full of encouragement and hope for the children of God as we walk the earth to complete the mission God has given each of us. Several verses in the Bible remind us of his love, his justice, and his faithfulness in a dark world. However, sometimes we come across scriptures that are shocking and difficult to understand and obey. This is especially true during the ministry of Jesus. His message shook the entire Jewish culture and turned the nation upside down. Today, we will discuss what we think the most shocking thing Jesus said is.
1: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Paradigm Switch Podcast with our hosts, Avan and Alex. We seek to encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and to think right side up. The key to victory is knowledge, and it is our hope that through sharing our personal testimonies, struggles, and triumphs, it will help you continue your walk with Christ. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order for us to emerge anew, we first have to think anew. Enjoy the episode.
2: Well, hello, everybody. Happy New Year. It is 2022. Wow. I can't believe we're just chugging along through life. I I was born in 1992. This is the year I turned 30. Yeah, I turned 32 this year. But just so the audience knows, I turned 31st. That means I am older than Alex. I am his elder to put that out there. Pearls before swine. Whatever. You know, I have wisdom because I'm older. But mm-hmm. welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Paradigm Switch. Remember, we are the number one Christian podcast on Earth, and we are heaven's favorite podcasters. Alex, how is your new year going so far for you? Well,
0: I've already lined
2: up some trips. Uh, you got an exciting one coming
0: Various up. places in the United States. And yes, I think I will be flying to Africa come the springtime. Oh, my goodness. How do you feel about that? It's gonna be, is it going to be
2: hot during that time?
0: Uh, or is Africa it's the southern on? hemisphere. It'll be fall, but it's on the ocean, I think. So yeah, it could be warm. But you know what? I've never been to Africa before. Um, this is so. This is going to be um, very interesting to me. I don't really know what to expect, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, so it, uh, I
2: certainly do not speak the language. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you would adjust because you're going to be there for work purposes and stuff. I'm sure they'll have some translator or someone there for you to help you. Through all that, but that's exciting to be going to Africa. I would be more concerned, or not so much concerned, but the stressful part would be the flight. Yes, it's uh, sixteen hours. Oh my gosh! See, I thought the flight to Vegas was long. I think what was that? Like four, four and a half, five <laughs> hours. That I think
0: twenty five percent.
2: I think that was that stressed me a lot. Just that little flight over there. But uh, I have
0: never been on a flight. Anywhere close to 16 hours. I've been on a flight that was 10 and a half hours. That was from Germany to Illinois once upon a time. This is five and a half more hours, which, by the way, is how long it takes to fly across the United States. So this is going to be quite the trip. Um, Again, though, you know, we haven't quite nailed down all the details yet, Mm -hmm. but I think that this is going to happen, so...
2: Well, your your new year's starting. Man, what are we gonna do with this show if I'm off in Africa for a couple of weeks? Well, when well when things get finalized, we will cross <laughs> that bridge. I was gonna say maybe we have to do it via like a Google Meet or something, but we'd be I, a totally different time zone. I don't zone. think
0: we get Wi Fi here.
2: <laughs> we'll figure out something on what to do. We'll, we'll figure it out. God will provide a way um, for it to get done. But it's a good way of looking at it. Your your year is starting off more exciting than me. I was just telling my siblings today. I was like, I'm so boring. Like my year has literally just been work. We've had some snow come in lately, and then um, all I do all day is read. Like I do, I go to work, and then I work out, and my free time, all I do is read. I, I like I have no interest in watching TV, movies, or anything like that. i writing reading is better for your mind. I think. I guess, but so what? Uh, I, what are you reading? I'm reading currently. I don't want to say the name because it's. I'm not really enjoying it. Oh, so not a good book. (laughs) It's not a good book. But my thing is, I bought it, so I have to finish it. Yeah. So, um, it's just this Christian. It's a Christian fiction book, and it takes place during the end times. And so, it's kind of showing this group of Christians and how they're handling the end times and everything. But. Honestly, out of the 300 pages I have read so far, the only thing, quote-unquote, exciting that's happened is a person got accidentally shot because... A hunter thought he was a deer. So nothing really dramatic or uh, drama or like something exciting has not really happened in all these pages so far I have read. You don't think somebody getting shot
0: is exciting and dramatic?
2: It was an accident. It was was still
0: pretty dramatic, I think. It
2: wasn't. But
0: if you want dramatic, you should read Tom Clancy. That's what I'm reading now. So, you know, it's like spies and international criminals and. Uh, federal agents from the FBI and uh, soldiers also military stuff okay. it's really really exciting that's reads. usually
2: not my genre like I, I uh, you don't
0: know what you're missing
2: because I know that's the kind of shows you like to watch and all that kind of stuff. that's not my genre like i I, I prefer Christian fiction books I've um, I prefer Christian teaching books and then I prefer like murder mystery books like military stuff and all that kind of I mean that's just not me but I, I'm glad you enjoy it. But maybe, who knows, maybe I'll expand my mind this year. New year, new me, right? (laughs) So maybe I'll try something new. But this is not about our reading collection. So our topic today is on Jesus said what? And today we're just going to discuss probably the most shocking thing that Jesus said. Now, if you know anything about Jesus during his ministry, he totally turned the culture, the the customs, and everything that the Jewish people thought um, was normal, totally upside down. And he said a lot of shocking things that still sends shockwaves through history today and so you know through my faith walk and through alex's faith walk we kind of agreed upon this one um section of verses through the gospels as to be probably the shock the most shocking thing that he said throughout his ministry well
0: let's preface this by saying you know jesus does say a lot of uh shocking things especially you know if you were a jew living at the time he he made Probably the most shocking statement was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. Nobody comes to your father. But for for me, you know, that honestly is probably the most shocking thing if you're a Jew listening to this guy preach to have uh, heard. Yes. Because, I mean, that's like, oh, this guy, he's saying he's God. Like, what yeah
2: yeah so yeah during that time period i'm pretty sure everything he said was shocking but to us it's kind of the the norms of what we hear all the time. right you know as
0: believers this makes total sense knowing what we do
2: now Mm um the i guess
0: the nice thing about hindsight or looking back in history and, and seeing how things work together no, but for us today, you know, when you go through the Gospels, there are still some more challenging things that Jesus says. Uh, and, you know, they can be shocking to us too as believers living as we do in the modern day. And, yeah, so even and I, you know, we talked about this. And I think, you know, there's that generally speaking also, not just the two of us, but the community, Christian community at large would consider this passage we're about to go into as probably... One, if not the most, and certainly in the top three mm-hmm. most challenging slash shocking things Jesus says.
2: And, you know, I just want to say this kind of real quick. You know, most people, when they think of Jesus, even some believers, they just think everything he said was nice. They always want to focus on the nicer things that Jesus said, you know, things like judge not, or, you know, I love you and love, you know, like the nicer things. Love your neighbors. You love
0: yourself. But,
2: you know, honestly, if you really dive into the gospels and dissect it, I mean, Jesus was very bold. He was very straightforward. And he said some things that were kind of sharp. And yeah, like
0: uh, just just coming to me earlier in uh, you know the Sermon of the Mount, you know where he's like, if you you know pluck out your eye if it's going to cause you to sin, mm-hmm. you know cut off your your arm, mm-hmm. so, you know these are things that are quite shocking to hear. They're metaphorical, of course, but I can imagine listening at the time. It'd be like, oh wait, whoa, yeah. <laughs>
2: And these are the things that people usually don't want to think about when Jesus, you know, when they bring up Jesus. Like I said, they, people always want to focus on the the nicer aspects of what he said. And I remember I was just telling someone earlier because um, some people at the gym were teasing me because they were just like, Hey, ain't you supposed to be a church boy? You know, you should be very, you know, humble, you know, turn the other cheek and yada, yada, yada. I said, forget not. Jesus did bust out a whip. So, you know it's okay to be a little aggressive. And so I was saying it in the joke. I was saying it in the joke. And if the audience doesn't remember, I I do do martial arts. So, you know, you can't do martial arts and just turn the other cheek. Like I can't let the person just beat me up. So, you know, it all, it it was all in fun, but I remember saying that and they all got a kick out of it. So, all right. So we've, we've laid out what we're going to talk about. So let's just jump in and share the most shocking thing that Jesus said between Alex and I, and let's kind of dissect it. And, um, see what he was really trying to convey.
0: Yeah, so this is in Matthew 10, verses 34 through 38, You know, when uh, Jesus is giving a sermon, and he says, "'Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. "'I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. "'For I have come to turn a man against his father, "'a daughter against her mother, "'a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. "'A man's enemies will be the members of his own household.'" And anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me.
2: Now, we're going to have to take this one verse at a time. And which version are you reading from?
0: That was from the NIV. Perfect. That's what I like to read.
2: Too. Let's back up a moment here and give total
0: context to this okay. passage, because I think that Alex would be a wise context. thing to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, can One of the things you should not do is just sprout scripture because if you do that and you don't have the context you can misinterpret things okay okay that's fair. so this is matthew 10 and and so this um section of of what jesus was talking about it's instruction to his disciples at the time so he's not actually speaking to the crowds he is called his 12 disciples to him and he's giving them authority to drive out uh, demons and to heal sicknesses and diseases and you know he's just instructing them on things that they should do. For example, they should focus on the Jews. They should not go to Samaria, go rather to you know the lost sheep of Israel, as Jesus says in uh, Matthew ten six. Uh, don't take any payment for any of this. Um, stay at the house of whatever worthy person is in the town or village that you go to. Uh, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, be on your guard, or else people are going to flog you at the synagogues. You know, these are some hard things. Um, And then he, you know, warns about, um, other, I'm. Mean, you know what? Now that I'm looking at this, this is a very hard passage, too. As he says <laughs> in, in 1021, brother will betray brother unto death. A father, his child, mm-hmm. children will rebel against their parents, put them to death. Well, he's he, getting them ready for ministry. He will be hated by everyone because of me, mm-hmm. but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Well, he was,
2: he was getting them ready for ministry, and he was preparing he was. them that... You know, it's good that you brought this up, the, the the whole story of everything, because they were probably thinking, oh, I'm doing the mission for the son of God and everything's going to be dandelions and flowers and sunshines and rainbows. And Jesus was very clear of like, no, this is like some serious stuff and it's not going to all be, you know, roses yeah. and sun, you know. And sunshines. All right, so this
0: so this has been very heavy already. Basically, Jesus is warning his disciples that look, this is not going to be some easy road for you. Right, you're going to be in danger telling people this. They're going to come after you. Uh, and what does he mean about this? Brother will betray brother. Father will betray children. Children will rebel. You know, I I think this can cause. Uh, conflict yeah you know when normally when in this day and age when people say brother will betray brother we're talking about like discord within a nation like civil war kind of thing Mm -hmm. almost and in this case uh you know you will have um some people who are not with what jesus is saying within the same family and then, you know, that, that can cause, cause a problem, yep. tension uh, between siblings, between parents, children rebelling against their parents. I mean, this is not unusual. We've seen this in the United States, certainly over the last generation, I think. And,
2: uh, and it's, you know, that part with the parents against the children rebelling against the parents. You know, you and I were just talking about that offline that we have several friends who grew up in Christian households and they totally rebelled against the ways and the teachings that their parents instilled in them as a kid and all that kind of stuff and they just totally went left and went into the world system. So like you said, we see that playing in our culture and in our society today. And one of my friends that comes to my mind who was one of those rebellious people, he's not just like a non-believer in some other faith. He just full-on believes there is no God whatsoever. Like full-on atheists and very strong um, anti any kind of faith movement like not you know not one of those people who are like atheists and just don't care like he's very um proactive and spreading that is unfortunate yeah
0: you know we remember there was a guy when we were in school who was like that mm-hmm. do you remember him i i mean he he came we, we oh. wondered why he was at Bible study and he's explicitly like... He I'm was in our short to, group, yeah. a small group or whatever. he was like, I want to learn as much as I can so that I can go out and disprove this faith. Yeah.
2: I was like, oh, man. That's, it was a very awkward...
0: It's not going to work out for you, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It was very awkward. And I told you we shouldn't have joined that group, but you you know, you know, forced, <laughs> forced us to well, go. Well,
0: you no, know, I mean, I thought it was a good group despite that individual. So, yeah. and, and, you know, I don't... Obviously, have fallen out of contact with him, so who knows? Maybe things changed. Maybe I don't know, but uh, that was
2: almost ten years ago. We're getting old, Alex. Just accept it. We're we're we're, we're, we're getting old. We're still
0: on the sunny side of thirty for a little bit longer.
2: (laughs) But yeah, so let's. um, We should have said the whole chapter of um, uh, Matthew ten was the whole shocking. Uh, Yeah, we really really
0: should have. But uh, I think you know, now that we have the context, Jesus is warning his disciples of what is to come. Mm -hmm. But then this, you get to the end of this whole speech, because that's where this is. And now Jesus says, I didn't come to, uh, do not suppose I've come to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace, uh, but a sword. Now that I think conflicts violently with, as you said, the people's association of Jesus. Like, like, like peace and love and all of that. This, this doesn't fit the mold, if you will.
2: No, because by sword, at least for me, when I hear the word sword... He's, he's speaking to a divide, a separation, which is, like you said, the not, the not ideal thing of Jesus. And this is why it's really important for every Christian, every believer to get in their Bible and to learn on their own. Because if you let the culture kind of tell you on their own, you know, on its own about who Jesus is and how they interpret Jesus, because there's so many things, you know, they do documentaries on Jesus and all this kind of stuff and say, oh, his ministry was a ministry of love and it was all about, you know, spreading love amongst mankind. And Jesus, out of his own mouth right here he says suppose don't suppose i came to bring peace to earth like that's not what i'm here for i'm here to bring a sword so that's why it's really important for us as believers to really know the word and actually know it for ourselves all right and we we
0: have to give an accounting for our faith always be able to uh, give accounting for our faith so mm-hmm. if people ask us questions about this you know it's it's good to have an answer and you know what uh jesus the bible is not the only um uh book that has the ministry of jesus you know he yeah. he appears in the quran he Appears in other places so yeah we really really need to know what exactly is the truth of jesus that's going to be found in the word um and when he says things like this mm -hmm. we we need to understand why and we need to understand what he meant
2: now when you hear this coming from sweet jesus sweet baby jesus telling his disciples i didn't come here to bring peace to your planet i came here to bring a sword What do you think he's trying to convey? What is the message? We're going to break these scriptures down. So this is the first one. So this is
0: verse 34. And I think, uh, well, let's just go through this again. Uh, Verse 34 says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. The way I look at this, I mean, it sounds harsh right off the bat, right? Mm, Yeah. I bring the sword could be thought of as bringing war and violence. But if you don't have the context of Mm -hmm. this, right, if you just read that, I mean, What what, what, what are we doing? I never
2: would have thought war and violence. My my first thought was just separation, but I never Uh, would have thought uh, war and violence.
0: Well, what do you think an unbeliever thinks just hearing something like that? Yeah, no, it's possible because it's a weapon. Yeah, so so that's why it's good to have context. But anyway, I think the sword here is referring to the sword of the Spirit, which we know from Paul is the knowledge of Scripture with the aid of the Holy Spirit within us to help defeat temptations and turn aside sin. And Mm -hmm. so that's really... What I think Jesus means by saying, bringing the sword, Um, not to go against other people, but to go against the darkness, the evil, the principalities, and the spirits of this world. Uh, As for not bringing peace, you know, at the time when Jesus lived uh, on this earth, the gospel flew in the face of the world order at the time. The world is under the control uh, of the Roman Empire for the most part mm-hmm. in this day and age. They are a polytheistic society with the pantheon you have know, Jupiter and Venus and Mars and all of those uh, gods and goddesses. So, you know, they're in control. And the idea that uh, you have this guy saying that he is Jesus, or that he's God rather, and that his way is the true way, you know, that... I guess, threatens, you know, mm-hmm. the people or the, or the authorities that be in Rome and certainly the authorities that were in Israel at the time. Uh, and so I think that uh, that caused them to feel threatened. And so they turned to violence yeah. to suppress the gospel. The Jews had Jesus crucified. Peter was crucified. Paul was executed in Rome. Uh, and in fact, all the disciples of Jesus but John ended up being martyred in the end uh, of this uh, in history, if you go back and look at this. So it's, it's a very interesting passage. And and I think here, uh, there's also this type of prediction, which is in the more broad spiritual picture, the world is in the grip of the kingdom of darkness, right? Yeah. Whereas Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. So when, you, when he says, I don't bring peace, I bring a sword. Uh, if you look at it like that, you see that there's this perpetual war between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of heaven. We've talked about this on the show, and so why would Jesus be coming to bring peace to the enemy? You would, you, no yeah. That's not how this works. Uh, his coming was a counter from God to rescue people who were held captive by Satan because of Adam and Eve's fall for many, many years, and Jesus comes down and strikes the most grievous blow. To the enemy mm-hmm. those two thousand years ago when he walked this earth so it can be looked at in that sense too where no i'm not here to bring peace to a evil kingdom i'm here to Break fight it against the evil kingdom and liberate as many people from it as i can
2: you know one of the jesus jesus first statements when he got filled with the holy spirit and after you know he went through temptation on the mount he said for the kingdom of god has arrived so like you said the kingdom of darkness had been on the earth during all of this time of mankind since the fall of man and now finally through Jesus the kingdom of God has now come to the earth to uh shake things up and uh, destroy the works of the enemy and i think well my interpretation when i read this it still aligns with the character of God because most people you know they think you know Jesus is the prince of peace you know that he's supposed to bring peace but like you said He doesn't tolerate sin. He doesn't tolerate the works of the enemy. So he came to separate or to divide the people to say, who's going to live for me and who's going to stand for the the side of right? I'm giving you the opportunity to do right. So I'm showing you now, this is the right kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. So I'm here to create a division to show what is right and what is wrong. So it is up to you, the humans, man, to choose which side you're going to want to live on. And the thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, Jesus is speaking amongst men. He said, he's basically, this is amongst men. I didn't come to bring peace amongst men, but he did bring peace between man and God. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, And I think
0: many of the Jews at the time thought that Jesus was going to be a worldly king, the Messiah, who was going to throw off the chains of oppression from the Roman Empire and bring back the glories of King David, who led Israel for a long time, and and so you're right. Peace amongst men that that was not uh, the goal here. It was peace between God and man. That's a very important. But the interesting thing
2: is, once you come to Christ and you get hooked up back to the kingdom of God, you learn how to walk in peace, and where you learn how to walk peacefully with your brothers hopefully you learn it to walk <laughs> yeah. peacefully with your brothers and sisters. But Jesus' objective was not to bring peace, you know, to solve our human little squabbles between each other. That wasn't his objective. He came to bring a division and show, and not only that, this is why I say a separation, to show what godly life looks like on the earth. That's, you know, that's another aspect of it. He came to show a separation of y'all Seen what darkness looks like, my people who are going to be on my side they're going to represent and show what godly living and godly life is going to look like mm. so there's a clear division
0: and the hope of course from Jesus as as he says you know not willing for any man to mm-hmm. to be, perish he's trying to save everybody get everybody on his side but of course man has free will and some people choose not to uh, Well you got to you know, know that there's a difference
2: you know a separation you got to know that there's a difference you know People who are in darkness have to see the light. So he has to make a clear line to say this is the difference between light and darkness so that you know where you are and this is where you can be.
0: And today that is important because that says there's absolute morality, right? That there is right and wrong and we can differentiate. There's a term you used before relative moral relativism yeah moral relativism so well the culture today wants to say you know my truth is my truth but you know you can have your truth and uh, there is no universal truth it's mm-hmm. all about how we feel at the time what's good what's bad but but of course you know when you look at jesus he clearly shows that this is not the case yeah he shows this this what he says is right i mean this is right this is god himself saying this is right mm-hmm. this other stuff is wrong that's the absolute truth Mm -hmm. that is absolute morality and so as a believer that's what we have to live by. Mm -hmm. i mean that's the way it is whether we agree with it or not
2: hey i mean he's the king and we have to live with it so let's jump into the next verse can you read the next verse
0: Yeah, so verses 35 and 36 say, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Now, this is actually not Jesus' words, original words. This is him, in fact, quoting the prophet Micah. Mm -hmm. So that whole passage, man against father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, enemies, members of his own household— That is found in Micah 7, and historically speaking, Micah's a prophet. He lived in Judah in the late 700s BC. He was a contemporary of Isaiah, and at the beginning of his ministry, Judah was gripped by bad kings. They were gripped in darkness. There was a lot of idolatry ruled by bad kings. And it was so bad that the families in Judah, you know, often warred against each other. So Mm -hmm. Micah goes on to say... That the only trustworthy person at that time is God, and in Micah seven seven, he says, "But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me." So I think, you know, looking back historically on this, this can be somewhat of a messianic pro- uh, passage, mm-hmm. right? Where
2: it's all connected. You
0: know, I I watch and hope for the Lord. God, I wait for God, my Savior. He's the hope. In the Lord and the Savior, that's Jesus himself, Yeah, right? He's he's the hope for humanity. He's the Savior of humanity. And so I think that by quoting Micah, Jesus is pointing out that times are dark, and the implication is the world needs a Savior.
2: Mm -hmm. So... His So his reference to Micah saying, you know, turning a father against his son and a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law and all that kind of stuff, to me, you know, that's really tough. You're, you're, You're saying that this division is going to go so deep that it's going to cause separations in the household. It's one thing to separate, you know, like a country or maybe some friends. But this separation or this division between, you know, standing for right or standing for wrong is going to go so deep that it's going to impact the family. And it could cause tension. Have you ever had like a family kind of um, situation where the faith collided like that? Have you had that happen? Um, no,
0: not really. So all my family are believers. Now, I will say some of us are Protestant. Others are Catholic. In the past, that has caused some tension and if that's its own problem, we can talk about some other time. But no, we're all believers in my house, so there hasn't been tension when it comes to the gospel. I will say, however, uh, there are plenty of stories that I have heard from people who become saved but are in other faiths, mm-hmm. Islam, for example, and that has caused major, major tension, and um, and the, yeah, the household turns against it the person
2: who got saved sometimes it turned um i haven't like you i haven't had a situation like that because everyone in my immediate family um is saved and everything but when i was going over this and preparing for this i remember this one documentary of a person who came to the faith and she was raised jewish and oh, so she, that, that was difficult it was yeah. very difficult because her family turned back on her her mother stopped talking to her which was very sad for her because she described that she was very close to her mother she was very um like they were best friends but she had to make that stance to choose you know i'm gonna live for christ and all this kind of stuff now why would you think god would be causing this division like in the family no house it's, not it's not, god. it's oh, not it's not god it's not god
0: this is the this is the enemy Mm-hmm. It's the enemy that's causing the chaos and division. <laughs> God gave, allowed one individual to know the truth. Okay. And that individual, well, I I know somebody who um, came out of a, a home of unbelievers mm-hmm. and tried to, you know, spread the gospel to their family, and their family was not receptive of this. Causes lots of tension. Mm-hmm. And I think this this isn't from God though. God is trying to save everybody, right? God, God is not willing that any man or woman should perish. And so when the tension strikes in the household, this is about the enemy not wanting to relinquish his grip on other people. It mm-hmm. is other people who do not want to hear the truth. It is them that causes this tension. It's, it's not God. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's how I look at it.
2: I, I can see what you're saying. Basically, you know, the house has been under his control. You know, and then now you got one person that's free and, you know, the devil doesn't like that and doesn't want it to spread. I guess in my way, I see it as not so much that God is causing drama, but I see it in a sense that God is trying to shake it up in the sense, you know, he's trying to, like you said, you know, set everyone free, bring them to him and everything. So in the way I see it from the the, the, the person who got saved, they're causing the tension because they're doing something different. You know, what I'm saying everyone's been going left, and this person's like, "No, we need to turn right," and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're they're causing the tension because they're trying to pull them back a different way. So that's how I see it. Um, that, the
0: tension arises from the people going left, thinking the person going right. All right, and okay, so I mean, I think that uh, leads us to the next part of this scripture. Okay. So that's uh, verse thirty-seven and thirty-eight. They kind of go together. that says that anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me.
2: Now, I think it's important for the believers to remember this one fact, because Jesus is demanding like 100% loyalty. He's saying, you got to love me more than your father, more than your mother, more than your siblings, more than even your own child, you know. Uh, I would say is one thing, you know, to maybe discard your parents or whatever, even though that's tough, but to say, I need to love God more than like my own child, you know, that can, that can be kind of jarring to the ear because, you know, usually when you're a parent, you know, you give everything to your child, your child kind of, kind of becomes number one, but God is saying, no, I take that spot as number one. And so you must remember Jesus is a King. And so that's, you have to, you have to think kingdom mindset, you know, you know, you know, Jesus is a king, and like all kings, they demand 100% loyalty to their rulership and their leadership. And this, this sword is dividing those who are going to be on his side and not on his, you know, his, whether they're going to be on his side or not. And um, one thing about a kingdom is the king comes first. I don't know if you've done any studies on, like, kingdoms and kings and all that kind of stuff. It's always about the king. You live for the king, you follow his leadership and everything, and then everything else comes second. And so we must remember that Jesus is a king. He's not some president where, you know, a president or a prime minister or whatever kind of other um, position of power that doesn't demand that kind of loyal, loyalship, but Jesus is king. And so in the kingdom, you have to think kingdom mindsets and kingdom ways. And so in the kingdom, you have to be loyal to the king 100%.
0: Well, I think that was a, a little bit harsh, you know, got to slow off the parents, the children. I, I don't think that's quite exactly what this is saying. But, you know, here Jesus, you know, he is the king, as you said, and, and he is saying that you have to be loyal to him more. But but what does this really mean? Uh, this I don't think this is really cutting relationships off with your your mother and father. Rather, it is you know a child when is taught by his mother or father and the parents can lead their son or daughter on the wrong path mm-hmm. and so in this case an individual who loves his or her and values his or her parents teachings more than the lord's this is a this is a problem yeah and so what i think this really means is you know you have to when you become a believer you choose the lord's teachings over the parents, the, the mother's teaching, the father's teaching. See, right? you're
2: seeing this much more nicer, <laughs> nicer than me. I but, see. But, you know, because it's not like you don't cut off your family. No, just you because hope you not to, but I, I feel as though that if it came down to it, you would need to, I feel as though if it came down to it, you would need to. And I say this because not that I've done this to my family, because this, this same kind of mentality can be brought to like your relationships with friends and all that kind of stuff. And I've had to make those calls of I can't be friends with you anymore because of the fact that this is impeding or this is messing up my walk with Christ, and I have to put him first. He has to be first. That's I
0: no, can't that's I
2: can't let you trip me up and get discarded or anything like that, and I can't let the closeness of our relationship um, come first or trump um, the relationship I have with God. And I've mentioned it. Um, the recent episodes, I've had some close friends recently where I've had to make that hard decision of this stops here because I can't let this go on anymore. And I've had to, you know, over my life, I've had to make that call so many times growing up in high school, in college, and even in my adult life and stuff where I've had to cut people off and just say like, Hey, I'm following Christ. And you are messing that up. You're trying to lead me down a way that I don't want to. I've respectfully tried to tell you I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. I've tried to tell you that's not the way I'm going to behave and all this kind of stuff. And you haven't respected it and you're still trying to pull me down because you're still trying to pull me down. I can't let, I can't let you do that.
0: Oh, okay, Yeah, no, I agree. That is the progression. What I'm just saying, though, just because you come to faith doesn't mean you automatically cut off no. everybody in your life. You try to share the truth with them, and then if they become extremely hostile and they decide to go against you, and as even says, they want to not respect your decision to live uh, as a believer and they want to pull you back down, then, then yes, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to need to make a call on at what point, God, do I just need to let this bad influence go. And that's, I think much more difficult to let go of the family. At least it would be for me than to let go of bad friends. Yes. I think
2: that. And I think Jesus, Jesus is using the exaggeration of family members to show the extent of that, of the loyalty that you have to have for him, that you will lose it all for him, that you are willing to sacrifice even your parents, even even if you are the father, and then your son wants to go left, and you're trying to lead them in the right path, God comes first. And I yeah, think-
0: and then, and okay, so this, I am not a parent, so I cannot speak to how what it's like if my child decides to go the wrong way. But I have had some friends who have chosen to go the wrong way, mm-hmm. and you know what? I uh, some people you move on from. But what I learned here was you cannot let other people's bad decisions influence you away from God. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, so there's another person who I know. Um, There was an individual in the family that decided to do one thing, and so that, because the parents wanted to continue to love this individual, they left the church, they left uh, one of the, um, they left the community that they were with to Love their child. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I think that that was not the best idea. Mm-hmm. But and I think I think that that's what that means. So if your child decides to I- embrace bad ideology, as a parent, you shouldn't throw away everything you believe in to appease this yeah. angry child who is against the beliefs that you stand for. That that's not right. Because honestly,
2: I, if you really love your child you will stick to what is right and promote what is right and try to lead them down the right path. You don't just cater to their choices, the things they want to do. Right. You, you tell them as a parent, Hey, this is the right path. And if you ain't going to follow it, you know, you're on your own. And I don't want to, I don't want to honestly say, cut off your family. No, not, <laughs> and not, all not on your own.
0: Stuff. It's we love you, but you know, if you're going to make these decisions, then that, whatever happens is on you, but mm-hmm. we're always going to love you. And whenever you know you need help, let yeah. us know. Right. At least that's how I would handle this. Yeah.
2: And I just think when I hear these couple of verses, it's shocking because, you know, God is all about the family and God is all about like, you know, family staying together and loving and all that kind of stuff. And then it kind of comes, When you hear this of like, if you love father, mother, sister, daughter, whatever, more than me, you aren't worthy of me. It's like, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be like a family person? Like, what are you trying to say? And so he's just demanding that he comes first. God has been very clear in his word, you know, even with the children of Israel back when they just got out of Egypt, like He's saying, I come first, I'm number one, nothing comes before me and all that kind of stuff. And that principle still applies here. And Jesus is letting them know, I come first and you remain loyal to me. And I have a question because I've always wondered this, and I've never really understood it when he said, "You aren't worthy of me." Like I've never really understood that. Uh,
0: I mean, it's an
2: interesting question what
0: what does this really mean? Uh, honestly, he's right. We're not worthy of him. He's the perfect creator of the universe. he He's God, and we are we're we're people who have turned against him. We've committed treason against him. No, we're not.
2: But I think he's saying, of him. but he's saying it in the sense of like, if you put these people more, you know, he's saying, you know, if you love these people more than me, then you're not worthy of me. I think what this really means is that if we don't
0: have him as our leader, mm-hmm. if we don't have him as the king of our lives, uh, which is the way to salvation, uh, if we
2: instead choose the world. Yeah.
0: Then yeah no we're not worthy of him. If we choose the world we are in rebellion
2: we're Mm -hmm. traitors.
0: No we're not worthy of him.
2: Yeah I think to me the the part of just not being worthy of him is an interesting thing to say. You know as you were saying that you know something that came to my mind is basically saying God's basically saying I'm not gonna take second second place to nobody. Yeah. I'm not second place. I'm always first place in in for everyone. If you don't want to put me first you're not worthy of even having me. And it's kind of an interesting thing to say as, you know, as God saying, hey, if I'm not first, you ain't going to have me. So <laughs> it's actually an interesting thing to say. And so, you know, what's the point of bringing up this scripture and, you know, talking about, you know. There's the-
0: one, one more thing that we should discuss here, though, and that's that we got to pick up our cross and follow oh. him. Right. So. Uh, you know, this, I think, has to do with the flesh, mm-hmm. right? If if you're indulging yourself or your flesh, your flesh is evil, how exactly is it that you're following God if you're doing this? Mm-hmm. You're not. That, that's just you're, you're in opposition to him if you're letting your flesh dictate your life. So that is why we have to pick up our cross, and that is also why, as Paul will later go on to say, that we have to die to self so that we can live... In the Lord,
2: you know the interesting thing about that scripture that says "Pick up your cross and follow me." That I've that I always focus on is the fact that He says, "You do it." This is something that you actively have to be a yeah, part of. This is an exercise of free will. Yeah, I think no one's going to do it for you. No one can do it for you. You pick up your cross and you follow me. You put in that effort. You put in that. You put in that effort. You put in that dedication, and your pastor can't do it for you. Your, your sister can't do it it for for you. you. This is something that you have to do individually on your own. And I've mentioned before in other episodes that our faith walk has to be independently dependent. Like we have to depend on each other, but at the same time, it's an individual walk where you have to put in the effort. You have to put in the effort to, you know, put down your own flesh and your own bad habits and all that kind of stuff and focus on him. And this goes back to the whole, the whole thing of this whole couple of verses that Jesus is demanding. It's just, I demand 100% loyalty. I'm King. And so you fall under my leadership and I lead your life. So if I, you know, when I'm telling you conflicts with other people in your life want you to do or tell you to do, you obey and put me first. Yeah. And so how's this relevant in our, for today? You know, Jesus said this over 2000 years, this is relevant today because we have so many voices telling us, you know, to go this way, to go that way. And there's a lot of confusion, especially in the church and, We have to be reminded that our loyalty is to Christ, not to pastors, not to church or not even to a denomination or whatever. If something isn't right that he has explicitly said not to do or, you know, to do something, we have to follow and live for him. And, you know, Alex and I always talk about end times. That's. That's why I like to read Christian fiction books because they have stories of end times and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we talk about it as a church all the time. Oh, you know, Jesus, you know, the, the times are coming where, you know, the church is going to have to stand and this, this and that. Well, you know, it might it might get rough in the sense of where you might not have that relationship anymore with a family member where you have to cut them off to stay loyal. And I yeah. think it's hard to think about, but. I don't know. I'm the kind of person where I've mentally prepared to be like, if it if it's going to go down that route, I'm going to have to make that decision. again yeah, not a lot of not a lot of people
0: are able to do that, especially in the West. Uh-huh. I I think this is again, you know, the West. We've had it really good. Unfortunately, I think the times are changing. I think you You know, 20 years from now, I can imagine it could be very challenging. Yeah, to be a believer
2: in this country unless we have a revival very soon. Well, even with that, you know. Um, we, you and I have these discussions offline and I'm just like, one day is going to come because Jesus has already said the whole world will hate you and they'll turn against you and this will be the signs of the end times and that includes the western civilization so we're going to have to be mentally prepared as a church to stand for what is right if you're going to stand being a believer that you're mm-hmm. going
0: to a lot of them are not because in that same passage you just referenced which is in
2: Matthew 24
0: it says the church will fall away and they will hate each other
2: that's where it's gonna to have to be an individual thing, you know. Yeah. it's gonna be a case by case. Well, it's thing.
0: again, it's again why, as you say, at the end of the day, it's God who is king. It's not a church. Yeah. It's not a pastor. It's not a denomination. And when we are, you know, in a church or or listening to a pastor, and we hear things that don't conform with what we think or don't comport with scripture, mm-hmm. uh, we got we got to double check. Yeah, we got to double check, and we got to go back to his word. at the at the end of the day, we have to go back to his word.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's
0: sad that that's where we are at, though. Uh, but but we do because there are so many churches, unfortunately, in in the West today that teaching bad uh, just stuff. teach bad doctrine. Yeah, um, and and it's not like even a denominational difference. Like, how do we interpret this passage? Is it figurative? Is it literally? It uh, figurative or literal? No, it,
2: it's like they're teaching sinful things. <laughs> I mean, we there was that pastor that said, the, you know, the Bible isn't, you know, the um, uncorruptible, infallible word of God. Exactly. He was a pastor, like, talking about this. It, it, folks, that is wrong. Yeah, so, and this this is the kind of thing that we're facing in our world today. And, you know, it just came to me this week. You know, it came to me this week because I was just meditating on these scriptures of, like, why does God demand so, such... Faithfulness, you know, we said because he, he's a king and you know he just wants it. Like why, why, why? And it came to me. And I understand why he demands so much loyalty. It's a lesson that's come to my personal life kind of recently. And in the, in the reason why I believe is because um everything changes. People change, you know, your father might change, your mother might change, your sister might change, your brother-in-law might change, your son might change, your daughter might change, but God always remains the same. So God wants you to be loyal to him because he never changes. You know, you might have a good relationship with your parents and, you know, they might even be following the way with you. They can totally go veer left, but you can't let that distract you because you have to stay faithful to him. Even if they, you know, might go crazy and go veer left. I've had some extended family members do that. They were along the way and just totally went left field or went crazy. I don't want to say crazy, but just just went left field and left the faith. Yeah. But you got to stay faithful, he, uh, no matter what. Yeah, if we it, Jesus tells us that
0: we who endure to the end will be saved, and that is what we have to keep our eye on as we live through all of this.
2: That's what I said. That's what I'm saying. You can't, you can't let it be my my loyalty to God depends in conjunction with a friend or in conjunction with my family members because you can't depend on them. They can change at any moment. They can change whatsoever. The only thing that's dependable is Christ because he stays completely the same all the time. So so now going over these scriptures, it doesn't really shock me in the sense that Jesus said this because it still fits his character. It does. It fits his it... character of holiness. It fits his character of love. It's love because he's telling you the truth to, to basically say, stay loyal to me because everything else will change and I'll never change. And sometimes, you know, the truth can be painful but
0: the truth is the truth. Yeah. And it is much more preferable to lies,
2: which can lead to destruction. Yes, totally. So, you know, this is, um, it's an interesting couple of verses. I still remember being like a teenager when I read these couple of verses and I was totally shocked. of just like, Jesus, sweet baby Jesus saying, <laughs> I'm, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And he's basically saying, I came to bring a separation of Like you said before, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God, so that man can see what is is good and what is not good. And then from there, once your eyes have been illuminated and now that you have seen the difference, stay faithful to him, no matter what it costs, no matter how much you have to give up and carry that cross and follow him completely. So it totally fits his character. So it's not too surprising. Uh, I'm sure it was shocking at first, but it still fits the character of Jesus altogether. So
0: you have anything else you want to add? Oh, I mean, I think this was a, it's a challenging scripture. I know this is kind of a departure from tradition, kind of more a Bible study almost this episode. Uh, but I think it was good to have yes. this discussion because you know we, we want to help our fellow believers in their walk and you know, come across a challenging scripture. It's yeah. good to just discuss that and get to the bottom of what exactly is this saying.
2: And it goes apart, like yeah, I totally agree. What is it really saying? Because sometimes I think we run across scriptures that we don't think match, and we try to discard it, or you know, we can, yeah, you know, get offline. And that's what we said earlier. You know, that's what. Don't let the world define who Christ is and his mission and all that kind of stuff. They'll give their own agendas. They'll give their own theories and all that kind of stuff. And it's not even biblical. Like I said, people always, one of the things I always run across is Jesus says, don't judge. Well, you know, you really need to read that whole thing in context. And then you need to really dive into the whole study of Jesus and learn it for yourself. I'm really going to advocate that we all need to learn to study on our own and um, get the Bible knowledge on our own. But that will be for another discussion. We hope our paradigmers or our listeners out there enjoy listening to us today. Stay tuned for our episode next week and listen to these announcements.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Paradigm Switch Podcast. We hope that you have learned something new for your everyday life. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends about The Paradigm Switch, too. For more information on past or future episodes, please follow The Paradigm Switch podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to tune in for our episode next week as we continue renewing our minds to think right side up.